Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to episode 54 of Podcast Royal, where we get a strong statement of support for Camilla from the Queen. The Cambridges are about to be traveling heavily again, and Harry and Meghan speak out against Spotify. So much to unpack right here, right now. Welcome back to episode 54 of Podcast Royal. You know, I feel like we should reintroduce ourselves for any new listeners that we have. So I am Rachel. And I am Jessica. And we are Podcast Royal. Welcome to episode (laughs) 54. How are you and what are you into this week? Oh, goodness. I am doing well. Um, As far as what I'm into this week, gosh, you know, it's just been, um, it's been a a busy week. So I've I've been super focused on all kinds of other things, but I'm really into, well, okay, I guess listeners may not know this about me, but I love Valentine's Day. It is like, I know that sounds cheesy, um, but it is one of my favorite days of the year because it's all of my favorite things wrapped into one and I can get away with enjoying all of them. So, you know, I can pop the champagne. I can have chocolate covered strawberries. I can wear pink and red and eat chocolate and, um, you know, decorate with hearts and watch rom-coms. And I have loved Valentine's Day since I was a child. Um, It's just a fun time for me to, I don't know, do all of the, all the things that I like. So um, I actually am, you know, this time of year, it's, it's so cold outside and and all the plants are, are dead. So it's also a great time to go get some really good deals on roses at the grocery store if you want to decorate your house. And so um, I actually bought some some pink roses a couple weeks ago, and they're actually still alive and looking pretty in my house. So that's what I'm into. <laughs> I don't want to be a hater, but I hate Valentine's Day. And I am the most <laughs> romantic person. Like, I am such a romance love freak but I think Valentine's Day is like every day should be Valentine's Day not just February 14th okay I'll give you that I do I do feel like I am on the unpopular side of this I feel like most people are not big fans of Valentine's Day and I just find it fun it's just a fun day celebrate any chance we can have to celebrate that's kind of where I'm at right now but I think every day should be Valentine's Day. February 14th is just a day when like everybody else catches up to how I normally am. Like that's like <laughs> my baseline is Valentine's Day level. But hey, well, and you you don't have to be in a relationship. You know, there's Galentines, yes. there's, you know, family members, like grandparents and parents and siblings. It's just a fun day to you know, call someone and tell them you love them or send a cute card or treat yourself. Go, go eat cheesecake and watch a rom-com because you can. 
So I'm yeah. giving everyone permission to have fun this Valentine's Day and enjoy it. Well, I am newly single, newly ish single, like three months single. And um, this Valentine's Day is going to suck. <laughs> but like I said, at least I don't really like it anyway, because it's just like I never make a big deal of it, even when I'm in a relationship, you know? So anyway. Well, as for what I'm into this week, it's not Valentine's Day for so many reasons, but I'm glad you're celebrating for the both of us over there. Um, <laughs> February 9th of this year, which is today, it's the day our episode drops, marks 20 years since Princess Margaret's passing. That is not what I am into. But to honor that, I reread 99 Glimpses of Princess Margaret by Craig Brown, and I was reminded again of how much I love Princess Margaret. One of my favorite Margaret quotes is disobedience is my joy. So we don't talk about Margaret nearly enough on this show. So I am raising a glass to her this week. Uh, we miss you, Margaret. Okay. So we're going to, we have, oh my gosh, we were off last week as well. And so we have, again, a jam-packed Royal rundown to get into. We can't go any further into the episode without recognizing that February 6th, which was of course this past Sunday, marked the queen's 70 years on the throne. This day, of course, is also a somber one as it marked the death of her beloved father on this day in 1952. We will be in a more celebratory mood about her 70 year reign as we get closer to June and the official platinum jubilee celebrations, but I feel as though her majesty marks this day somberly, so we shall as well, but happy platinum jubilee to the first British monarch to ever do it. And I want to break really quickly into a segment I'm calling history lesson. So I want to tell really quickly the story of what was happening the day Princess Elizabeth found out she was queen. So February 6, 1952, 25-year-old Princess Elizabeth was in Kenya with her husband, Prince Philip, enjoying a relaxing Wednesday morning amidst the royal tour they had embarked on days before. So the couple we're saying, I think we've talked about this on the show, in a since-closed treehouse hotel in Aberdare National Park called Treetops, where she went up that ladder a princess and came down a queen. I love that quote from Lady Pamela Hicks, who is a cousin of Prince Philip, who was traveling with the couple on that fateful trip. So in fact, according to Hicks, Princess Elizabeth had already become Queen Elizabeth, but had no idea that her father, King George VI, had died earlier that morning as she sat in treetops and wrote her father a letter about all the wonderful sights she had seen, Hicks said. And not long after, she received word that he had died in his sleep at just 56. So the last time she had seen her beloved father was days prior on January 31st, the king saw Princess Elizabeth and Prince Philip off at the airport as they embarked on a royal tour of the Commonwealth that was originally intended to be carried out by him. He was deemed too ill to travel, so King George VI instead sent his heir, who he cheered on from the tarmac as she departed. That was Princess Elizabeth's last glimpse of her father, not knowing that that was their final goodbye. So because of their remote location in Kenya, the queen was one of the last to know she was the reigning monarch, Hicks said in her book, Daughter of Empire, Life as a Mountbatten. We must have been among the last people in the world to hear the news, she wrote. So it fell to Prince Philip 
to break the news of her father's death to his wife, which she did during a walk in the gardens at the nearby Sagana Lodge. The new queen needed to immediately return to the UK from Kenya, but because of the unexpected nature of her father's death, she had packed no mourning clothes and had to board the plane home in the summer clothes she had been wearing, which was, according to people, reportedly a beige dress with white shoes. And though she gave the crowd assembled in Kenya a stoic smile and a wave as she boarded the plane home to the UK, it was during the flight that the gravity of her loss hit her. The mask slipped once they were airborne. Nicholas Best, biographer of Eric Sherbrooke Walker, the founder of Treetops, told The Guardian, the queen left her seat after a while. Her face was set when she returned, but it was obvious to the other passengers that she had been in the loo having a good long cry. So upon landing in the UK, a black dress was quickly smuggled on board because we didn't have a black dress, Hicks said on her daughter, India Hicks's podcast. So she quickly had to change. And before stepping off the plane to be met by Prime Minister Winston Churchill in the press, Hicks said the Queen noticed that her car wasn't there. Having got dressed, she passes by me and looks out of my window, looks over my head and says, ah, Hicks said, she was looking for her car and she said, oh, they've sent the hearses. I realized she meant that the big royal limousines were all stacked up. I suddenly looked and thought, here's this young woman of 25 with two small children, having just been leading virtually a normal naval officer's life in Malta and now never going to be private again. So as the queen forced a smile and waved as she departed the airport for clearance house, the same realization hit the new monarch, Hicks said. When we landed in England and seeing Winston Churchill and others drawn up on the tarmac, there was this sudden realization that this was the end of her private life, she said. So that's the end of history lesson, but I think it's so wild that she leaves the tarmac in London to go on this tour of the Commonwealth and comes back six days later to the tarmac and her life has been completely upended. So I would just love to know what you thought of that, of that history lesson. Yeah. I mean, I loved it. You know, I'm familiar with the story, but it it was interesting to hear you tell it. And it, you know, it made me think I, I knew her age, but I just thought again, how young 25 is and what an extreme change she experienced, you know, leaving and coming back just less than a week later. Um, you can tell, you know, it was a very impactful moment in her life, even now how she goes back to Sandringham every year and, um, really, really, really spends time reflecting on, on this time of year. So great, great segment, Rachel. Thank you. And, um, you know, the day back to Royal Rundown now, the day before her accession day, am I saying that right? Accession that everybody's going to laugh at me, but I, I just want to make sure, I don't know. Anyway, I think that's right. Uh, forgive me if it's not, we saw her majesty out for her first engagement of 2022. She hosted a reception at Sandringham house surrounded by representatives from local charities and members of the Sandringham estate. She cut a cake with the platinum Jubilee emblem on it and she got some gifts, including some from local children. And I actually read, um, cue the tears here, that she used Prince Philip's cane that day. So when you see photos of her walking with the use of a cane, that was actually Philip's cane. So don't you think that she just looked fantastic? Yes, I did not know that about the cane. That is really special. And remind me, was this the event that she had on the light blue dress? Yes. Yes. Okay. 
Okay. Loved her dress. Um, do you remember when you and I went to the Birmingham Museum and they had that huge collection of Westwood um blue west yeah okay her dress reminded me of that it's like the or i'm sorry wedgwood um the the wedgwood color blue with the like the white sort of detailing she had that lace look um it was it was a very pretty um pretty look loved it yeah she was beautiful and then later on saturday a huge statement of support from Her Majesty to Camilla. Oh my gosh, this is the news story of the week for sure. Confirming her wish for the Duchess of Cornwall to one day be queen consort. So Jessica, we just talked about this with Penny Jr. a couple of weeks ago. Um, I, I wanna go ahead and read Her Majesty's words directly. She wrote that, when in the fullness of time, my son Charles becomes king, I know he will give him and his wife Camilla the same support that you have given me. And it is my sincere wish that when that time comes, Camilla will be known as queen consort as she continues her own loyal service. So let's go back for a moment to 2005 when Charles and Camilla married. It was thought then that Camilla would be princess consort. In fact, it was virtually understood that she would be princess consort. But Camilla has had loyal service to the crown um, over the past, what is that, 16, 17 years. And it has been appreciated much as of late. We saw Camilla named the Order of the Garter on New Year's Eve. And I want to read the rest of Her Majesty's statement. As we mark this anniversary, it gives me pleasure to renew to you the pledge I gave in 1947 that my life will always be devoted to your service. This is me for a second. I always think about that speech. In fact, I've read it on the show before in 1947 when she's in South Africa, she's 21 and she's pledging her whole life, whether it be long or short. That's the speech she's talking about. Okay, back to Her Majesty's words. As I look ahead with a sense of hope and optimism to the year of my platinum jubilee, I am reminded of how much we can be thankful for. These last seven decades have seen extraordinary progress socially, technologically, and culturally that have benefited us all. And I am confident that the future will offer similar opportunities to us and especially to the younger generations in the United Kingdom and throughout the Commonwealth. I am fortunate to have had the steadfast and loving support of my family. I was blessed that in Prince Philip, I had a partner willing to carry out the role of consort and unselfishly make the sacrifices that go with it. It is a role I saw my own mother perform during my father's reign. This anniversary also affords me a time to reflect on the goodwill shown to me by people of all nationalities, faiths, and ages in this country and around the world over these years. I would like to express my thanks to you all for your support. I remain eternally grateful for and humbled by the loyalty and affection that you continue to give me. And then she goes into the part about Charles and Camilla, and then she wraps up the statement. And so as I look forward to continuing to serve you with all my heart, I hope this Jubilee will bring together families and friends, neighbors and communities after some difficult time for, times for so many of us in order to enjoy the celebrations and to reflect on the positive developments in our day-to-day -day lives that have so happily coincided with my reign. So I'm sorry, I feel like I'm reading a lot, but that is a historic statement for multiple reasons. First of all, it is the first and probably only time that a British monarch is, is putting a statement out for his or her 70 years on the throne. And the news about Camilla is, is huge. Um, I wanna pause here. 
I'm dying to hear your thoughts on the news about Camilla. I think it totally underscores and highlights the importance of having a partner when one is a monarch. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I thought her speech was really beautiful, um, really thoughtful words. I felt like, you know, in that throughout that whole speech. Um, so I don't think, you know, I, I guess I, I, I wasn't totally sure if she would ever come out and, and make a comment about Camilla as queen consort or not. I don't, I don't think I'm totally surprised that she shared her wishes, but I do think it's interesting timing for her to make this statement right ahead of the Platinum Jubilee. Um, you know, I mean, it's clear she she's giving her blessing. And, and I do think that that will positively impact public opinion of Camilla as queen for sure. Um, but I wonder why she timed it right around, you know, this and, and really fit it into this speech. I mean, it seems very intentional and she knew it would be impactful. Um, but, you know, she really could have said it anytime. Yeah, I don't, I mean, you know, I don't think anything is left to chance and not thought out. I think the New Year's Eve Order of the Garter announcement was a lead up to this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there is really not um, a great time to talk about what happens after she is no longer living and reigning on the throne. And so I suppose that this was as good of a time as any. I mean, obviously it goes without saying that we want her on the throne for the next 70 years, but she's 95. And, you know, I, I know that February 6th makes her think about death because it has to, because that's the day her father died unexpectedly in his sleep. And, you know, I feel like she wanted this to be said uh, sooner rather than later, because when you're 95, you just never know if you have a later. And I mean, talk like you just said, the tide of public opinion towards Camilla has turned in her favor. Camilla has had, I think, two or three engagements since this came out on Saturday night and people are waving union Jack flags. I mean, they are, it's, it's like the queen has given her stamp of approval and it's a whole new outlook because Camilla will be, and I can't imagine any world anymore where she won't be queen Camilla, which even a month ago, I, I, I mean, we asked Penny Jr. on, on the show if we did, cause we didn't know if that was going to happen. And, um, you know, sometimes I just think about what would, what would everyone say if I told you in 1995 or even in 2005, but really like 1995, 1999, Camilla will be queen one day and she will get an overwhelming, you know, no holds barred, leave no stone unturned show of support from the queen. It's just um, pretty monumental. And like I said, I think that it, it totally underscores how important she finds having a supportive partner is just like the queen mother was to her father and how Philip was to her. And, you know, say what you want about Charles and Camilla, but they're the loves of each other's lives and they're meant to be together. So you know, you might as well, Charles will be king, so you might as well have a happy king, you know, so. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, you know, she's been quietly serving for, for all these years now, and she's been by Charles' side through ups and downs, and I think she's really shown her loyalty in recent years, too, so I think all of this has just been building, and um, and I just think the time was right to, to make that announcement, so. Yeah, and for their part, Charles and Camilla are quote-unquote touched and honored 
by Her Majesty's words. On Sunday, Charles released a statement which said, on this historic day, my wife and I join you all in congratulating Her Majesty the Queen on the remarkable achievement of serving this nation, the realms, and Commonwealth for 70 years. The Queen's devotion to the welfare of all her people inspires still greater admiration with each passing year. And he went on to say, we are deeply conscious of the honor represented by my mother's wish, of course, speaking about Camilla, as we have sought together to serve and support her majesty and the people of our communities, my darling wife has been my own steadfast support throughout. So, you know, I think the queen is with the Andrew cutting off of Andrew. And with this, I think she is saying this is how I want it to go and she's in she's leaving no room for guesswork and I actually really appreciate that and you know we we must accept it and uh, by the way I found this very interesting a queen i.e queen Elizabeth becomes a queen through birth through birth into the line of succession but a queen consort like Camilla will be is a queen who married a monarch and interestingly there are obviously kings by birth King George VI King Charles eventually but there's no such thing as a king consort i.e Prince Philip who was a prince consort so it's one of the few occasions where being a woman actually gives you a title bump so I thought that was interesting um Wow. So I just, I'm still, I'm still blown away by this, but um, then on Sunday, we got a new photo of her majesty to mark 70 years on the throne. She, in the photo, she's at Sandringham house with her red boxes. She's wearing a lime green dress and a bright smile. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on all of the above. Lots to unpack there. Yeah. Um, I loved the photos. I, um, have to say, I would love to have my own red box. I don't know about you, Rachel. Oh, no, we need red boxes. <laughs> with all of our papers in them. I can just imagine, you know, someone hand delivering my mail to me every day in this beautiful red box. And I think I would love it. Um, but no, the throwback photos that they posted on Instagram are also really fun to see it. Listeners, if you haven't seen those, go check them out and you can kind of see her with these boxes over the years. Um, and um, I also loved, they shared this um, letter that she received during her golden jubilee where uh, it was a nine-year-old boy named Chris sent her a recipe for a queen and they shared the recipe and it was so precious and I was wondering what Chris is up to today if he knows he was featured on Instagram this last week. <laughs> well, he's our age he, so well roughly because if he was nine at the golden that was 50. He's, a little, right? he's got he's a little younger right? little so okay 50 plus uh oh yeah because that would be 20 wait 20 plus yes he's a little younger than us he's 29 ish right i'm not doing yeah. math <laughs> this is what happens when two podcasters try to do math live on the air yes because 20 plus 9 is 29 oh my gosh yes we both have uh we both have multiple degrees everybody and I can't pronounce words and I can't do maths, but at least I know about the royal family, right? So there you go. Um, yeah, I saw that. That was adorable. And um, she, the queen is back at Windsor now, which of course is where she's been spending a lot of time. But before she left Sandringham, she got a platinum jubilee surprise, a double rainbow. Did you see those photos? 
So I actually somehow managed to miss the double rainbow photos. I need to go back and try to find them. Uh, I was really disappointed about that, but I really do hope this week is just going splendidly for her. Um, I hope she's really enjoying all of the activities. Yes. And, you know, obviously more to come. I mean, we're just building up to a crescendo in June. So any more about Her Majesty before we move on to uh, my least favorite royal, Andrew? So <laughs> any any more about Her Majesty? Uh, no, just uh, another congratulations. Absolutely. So, um, you know, when I when I was thinking about this, this happened um, a couple, this happened two weeks ago, right after we released our last episode. I thought it was a pervasive show of ego, but Andrew, via his lawyers in New York, denied all allegations against him and demanded a trial by jury. The more I learned about this, um, really, the verbiage sounds very like pervasive show of ego, but really, I just think it's legalese. Um, but he wants to take it before a jury. And I don't know if having a judge trial was an option for him, but um, I don't know. Like, if I were in his position, would I rather try to have one judge decide my fate or 12? normal citizens I don't know but um, I would love to hear your thoughts on uh, we I mean obviously we figured he would deny all the allegations but I'd love to hear your thoughts on him demanding a trial by jury yeah I mean you know I've said this before in the podcast I don't know everything there is to know about the legal world um, but you know I think he he is innocent until proven guilty and he does have rights and and I think you know if he wants to get up there and defend his innocence that's his right to do that and that's why we have a justice system so you're innocent until proven guilty um so we'll see how it plays out in court um you know I certainly don't have the answers any more than anyone else um but you know I feel like if if he's able to choose how he wants this child to go and, and have a jury and, and he chooses to do that. Um, I, I don't have a problem with it. I just want to remind Prince Andrew, who, you know, obviously is listening that you're in the US now, buddy, like you're, you're not in the UK. And I don't think that people in the UK are looking very fondly on him at the moment, if I'm taking the pulse correctly, but I know that people in the US are not. And, uh, that's going to be a tough jury to swing, but we'll see what happens. So um, the first of Harry's former patronages has been redistributed, and it's Kate who got it. She is the new royal patron of the Rugby Football Union and Rugby Football League. So interestingly, this kind of sets up a Cambridge versus Cambridge sports rivalry because William is patron of the Welsh Rugby Union. So last week, we got some great photos from Kate visiting Twickenham Stadium to meet men's and women's players from England's team in preparation for the Six Nations Championships. I know nothing about rugby. I don't know a thing about it. But she joined a training session and even caught the ball while being hoisted high into the air. I don't know if, what that means. I am actually a sports fan, and I, I know you are too, but I know nothing about rugby. So what are your thoughts on this new patronage for her? Yeah, well, I, you know, I don't know anything about rugby either, but she looked like a natural at it from what I could tell. Um, I think it's fun. I'm, I'm excited for her to be patron um, of this. And, and I think, um, 
I think it was a good match. I um, I enjoyed watching the videos. They've certainly gotten creative on the Cambridge's Instagram page with um, with their reels and, and other things that they're doing. So it's really fun to follow along and kind of see how they're unveiling a lot of these new um, initiatives and, um, and patronages that they're taking on. Yeah, we're going to talk about my favorite new uh, video and that the Cambridges have done in just a moment. But I also wanted to mention, I saw Camilla has taken over Megan's patronage at uh, or with the National Theater. So that's just a side note. But in more Kate news, this upcoming Sunday, February 13th, Kate will be appearing on TV on CBeebies Bedtime Stories, which is a popular children's show in the UK on the BBC that features a different celebrity reading a bedtime story each week. So Kate's episode coincides with Children's Mental Health Week. I love this and wondered if you had any thoughts on it. Yeah, I love that too. And, and it seems like it would make perfect sense that it would align with Children's Mental Health Week and, and, you know, all the work that we know that she does. So that's really cool. Neat story. And we'll come back to Kate in just a minute, but I wanted to go back to Her Majesty for a second. I'm not sure that uh, I saw this coming and I can speak for you and say, I'm not sure you saw this coming, but Her Majesty has launched a ketchup and a brown sauce, which is apparently similar to a steak sauce using ingredients from Sandringham. The ketchup is described as ideal for breakfast, interesting, or any time of the day is flavored with dates, apple juice, and spices. The brown sauce is packed with the vinegar and spices, and uh, it's kind of expensive. It'll run you about $9 for a 10 ounce bottle. So will you be purchasing? Yeah, you know, I, I think I've heard, um, haven't they don't they sell other food or, or beverage items that they have sourced locally around some of the royal properties I think that they do so um I think uh-huh yeah so yeah I mean in the U.S. we don't typically eat ketchup at breakfast um sometimes I think people will mix it with eggs um but I don't think that that's all that common very good point um, but yeah, it, it's pricey. I guess it's probably worth it for Royal condiments. Um, I would probably be tempted to purchase it, you know, maybe once to try, especially if I was over there visiting and, and saw it in a gift shop. But I have to admit, I don't know that I would subscribe to it if it was listed on Amazon. I don't typically budget $18 for condiments every month. So, uh, may, maybe one day I'll try some. <laughs> icy bottle of ketchup for for 10 ounces but um i think it's interesting that um of all the meals they could have highlighted breakfast um but i do put i do put ketchup on my hash browns i put ketchup on my eggs my scrambled eggs sometimes um so listeners if you've had a chance to try the ketchup or the brown sauce let us know if it lived up to the hefty price tag <laughs> and, um okay oh my god harry and megan and spotify I just like this, this for some reason, like this, this just grinds my gears. Um, maybe it's because we're podcasters, but anyway. Um, so Harry and Megan, who of course have a multi-million dollar deal with Spotify for their non-existent podcast, Archwell Audio, are expressing concerns with Spotify over COVID-19 misinformation. Apparently the Sussexes contacted Spotify as far back as last April to express their concerns, which by the way, I want to, I, I'm not speaking for you, but I want to say that I agree that co that COVID that Spotify should be called out for the COVID misinformation on the platform. However, I just think that it's very strange that the, that 
people that don't even have an active podcast and are being paid $125 million are speaking out on this. But anyway, um, so R2L released a statement that said, since the inception of R2L, we have worked to address the real-time global misinformation crisis. Hundreds of millions of people are affected by the serious harms of rampant mis and disinformation every day. Last April, our co-founders began expressing concerns to our partners at Spotify about the all too real consequences of COVID-19 misinformation on its platform. We have continued to express our concerns to Spotify to ensure changes to its platform are made to help address this public health crisis. We look to Spotify to meet this moment and are committed to continuing our work together as it does. I'm sorry, but please forgive me for being kind of snarky here, but continuing our work together, what, what work together? I mean, really, I'm not trying to be snarky. I'm just really trying to be a realist here. So it's what, okay, I want to see what you think. So do you think that that this, that the COVID-19, Joe Rogan misinformation, um, whatever, is is what they are now saying is the reason why there's been no Archwell audio? Is this what we're blaming the lack of content on now? Well, that might be what they're blaming it on, but I don't think that's the reason. I mean, I'm right there with you. I don't think Megan and Harry have any room to call out podcasters right now. You know, we're looking at two people who are under contract for what, $25 million and haven't produced one episode in more than a year compared to literally the most popular podcaster in the world right now. Um, And honestly, the most popular journalist right now, his podcast, I think I heard this week, he gets like 11 million downloads an episode, which is something like 3 million more than a national nightly news network. Um, So, I mean, that's huge. Um, so to me, it makes me think that they're trying to turn the spotlight off of them onto his podcast yeah. uh, so that they're not being called out for lack of production um, on their own show. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not a Joe Rogan fan, but to, to, to blame shift to Joe Rogan, oh, this is Joe Rogan's fault now. I mean, that's not really fair. Like the bottom line is if they had produced episodes and then stopped because of this, that's one thing, but you can't say that you're not producing anything because I don't know, to, to blame shift to Joe Rogan, it just feels a little bit of a stretch to me. And so I don't know the art poor I just feel for the people that like they have a whole staff what are they doing like are they getting paid I don't know I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. in my opinion they've they've totally overstepped their their boundaries I don't think they had any place to speak out on this yeah I'm sorry I don't either I don't think they had anything to say about Spotify right now it doesn't it does not help their uh their ratings at all (laughs) no and I am a sugar, remember? <laughs> so if this little sugar is who I do like Harry and Megan, but if they are, if they are, if, if I'm saying this, I don't know why this just gets under my skin. Like, I just, I don't understand this. So anyway, still no Archwell audio. And I wouldn't bet my next paycheck that I'll have one by, uh, anytime soon. So, but we did see Harry team up with Serena Williams and better up CEO Alexi Robichaux, which is the best 
name ever last Thursday for a virtual event where they talked about doing inner work. So Harry admitted that he does experience burnout and that self-care is often the first thing to go in his list of priorities. But he says he does take 30 to 45 minutes each morning to focus on himself and that he feels that me time should be as much of a daily habit as brushing one's teeth. He says, okay, one of the kids has gone to school. The other one's taking a nap. There's a break in our program. It's like, right, it's either for workout, take the dog for a walk, get out in nature, maybe meditate. So I'm curious in this spirit, what do you do for self-care each day? I am working on doing more self-care. I think when it comes to self-care, you know, it's certainly important that we don't neglect our health and we take time to do things. I think for me, I, I like to, you know, take time to eat meals during the day or, or to carve out time to go to the gym a few times a week or um, go to dinner with you once a month um, and catch up because all of those things are really important to our physical and our mental and emotional health. Um, but I also think, you know, I've, there are some other podcasts that I listen to and um, they, they've talked about self-care and self-love and, and I've heard some interesting perspectives lately. And um, I think it's important to um, maybe try to focus on uh, service over self sometimes too. Um, and I think we can all, you know, try to do this a little bit better. I know I certainly can. Um, and thinking about ways that we can connect with other people and, and help others who may be experiencing burnout or stress. And, um, you know, maybe somebody may be struggling with it more than we are. And, and there's a place where we can step in and help and connect with others. And oftentimes I feel like that um, can, can fill our cup more than we realize, more than, than drain us. You know, that, that connection with other people is just super, super important. So what about you? Well, currently I don't really do a lot for self-care and that's, and I really struggle with this. I really, and I completely appreciate what you said about um, service over self. I, I agree with you. Um, although for me, I need, I can't run on an empty tank and I have been for a while. So I really am um, starting to, you know, reprioritize my life. What gets my time? Um, work I'm trying to work less and read more and spend more time with the people I love like you and you know in a perfect world and I haven't started doing this yet but I really want to especially now that it's starting to get a little warmer outside and I'm starting to kind of feel spring in the air I would love to take like 30 to 45 minutes every day and pack some gym clothes some like yoga pants or whatever change really quick and just go take a walk and just you know I, I work in a very urban area there's plenty of places to walk I don't even need to take my cell phone with me just go on a walk and just get some physical activity in the middle of the day so that's that's my self-care goal yeah I totally agree and I think self-care looks different for everyone and I think um you know for for Prince Harry he may take the dog on a walk or 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 meditate for someone else it may be something as simple as remembering to go to your doctor's appointments um and not putting those off or you know taking time to to eat dinner at the table with a family member instead of on the go you know and it's hard. It's really hard for a lot of people who are stretched so, so thin right now. Yeah. Um, but I do appreciate Harry, you know, in, in this effort to, to bring um, awareness uh, to 
to the importance of, of investing in, in your health. I agree. I agree. So we know William is headed off to the UAE tomorrow, but a trip to Belize might be in the works for he and Kate to celebrate the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. According to the Mail on Sunday, representatives for the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge were in Belize a couple of weeks ago in preparation for their upcoming visit. Their people were very secretive and kept saying this had to be kept very quiet, but on a small island like Ambergris Cay, it's impossible to keep anything quiet for very long, a source told the Mail on Sunday. They were talking about a four-day visit to Belize in March as part of a longer trip to this part of the world. They said William and Kate might visit the Cay and also go to mainland Belize. It's all anyone here is talking about. We are so excited. So the visit is said to have a focus on ecological issues. But before a potential trip to Belize, Kate has announced her own solo tour in the most adorable way, I might add. She is headed to Denmark to highlight her early year foundation. I know you saw that video with the Legos. Yeah, I did. That was really fun. It was one of those videos that you just had to watch it all the way to the end. You just had to like see see the Lego pieces getting put together and, and <laughs> watch the video. <laughs> and that, uh, that engagement ring got some great airtime right there. I thought so too. Yeah. I think everybody was checking that out. No, no doubt who, who was behind the Legos right there, even though you couldn't <laughs> see your face. Okay. So let me tell you for our final story of the Royal rundown, before we go into Royals around the world, I laughed my head off at this story this is uh, this is a fun what the royal our last what the royal was really messed up and I don't even want to think about it but I cannot get enough of this next story this is what the uh, what the royal so thousands of souvenirs for the platinum jubilee have a distinct typo <laughs> calling it her platinum jubilee j-u-b-p-o <laughs> Um, apparently the word Jubilee was lost in translation somewhere over 10,000 mugs, tea sets, and decorative plates bear this misprint. This is, that's amazing. (laughs) It's so funny. I I guess, I don't know what they're going to do if they're just going to throw them all out or what, but I was, when you said platinum Jubilee, I was like, (laughs) forget the ketchup and brown sauce. I should have made a champagne and called it platinum bubbly. Uh, yes, somebody, somebody from uh, from Buckingham Palace, do that, please. The platinum bubbly, like uh, I, I every time I say platinum jubilee, now all I want to do is say platinum jubilee because I have laughed about that so much. I got the biggest kick out of that. So the guy whose company made this mistake is trying to sell all of these items. And he's trying to claim that like someday they're going to be worth a lot of money because it's funny. I don't know if he's going to get a buyer, but you know, you have, what is it? $40,000 laying around and want to <laughs> buy, <laughs> want to buy all this uh, platinum jubbly uh, memorabilia, then you got you got no problems, my friend, if you got a spare $40,000 for that. But anyway, I thought that was hilarious. Okay, so uh, segment two, royals around the world. We have a super fascinating story from the former royal family of Italy, who, of course, we never talk about because um, they haven't been a monarchy since after World War II. So um, the former royal family of Italy are demanding the return of their crown jewels. They were lost after Italy abolished their monarchy after World War II. Since then, the crown jewels have been held in a vault at the Bank of Italy. The heirs of Italy's last king, King Umberto II, have made a formal request to get the crown jewels back in their possession, which are worth $300 million and include 
6,000 diamonds and 2,000 pearls on tiaras, earrings, brooches, and necklaces. Now, this is their first formal request. An informal requ request was rejected by the Bank of Italy last year. The first meeting post-formal request was inconclusive, but Prince Emmanuel Filiberto of Savoy, the grandson of King Umberto II, told the Telegraph, Italy should do what is right and fitting and restore the jewels to my family. So do you have any thoughts on this? That sounds really messy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> UK is British royal family isn't the only messy I mean we know that already but my gosh but yeah it is a little messy yeah I don't know I was just going over in my head and I was like yes return them to the rightful owner well no you know maybe they they belong in their current home well I, and I was going back and forth in my head and honestly I don't know what do you think well, I think that they should be in the hands of their rightful owner. I don't know who that rightful owner is. And so if it's the, if it's the Bank of Italy, then okay. But if it, you know, if, it, I mean, why now though? You know, like the, the crown jewels have been away for, what is it, 80 years almost. And so I'm just curious why now, but um, we'll keep following that story because I think it's interesting. So yeah. Two big news items out of Monaco. Princess Caroline's daughter and one of my favorite royals, Charlotte Kazrahi, opened the Chanel show at Paris Fashion Week on horseback, no less. Her ensemble was a black tweed jacket, pants, and sleek riding boots. Apparently, Coco Chanel loved horses and horse racing, as was delineated in a film shown in the background. And we heard from the palace in Monaco about Princess Charlene as a statement said the convalescence of HSH, not HRH, but HSH, Her Sovereign Highness Princess Charlene is currently continuing in a satisfying and very encouraging way. Her treatment will still take up to several weeks and the statement concluded that Charlene looks forward to sharing moments of conviviality, which is my new favorite word, with mm -hmm. Monegasques and residents. And finally, some stunning photos from Princess Mary of Denmark, marking her 50th birthday on February 5th. She is wearing the ruby parure tiara with matching earrings, bracelet, brooch, and ring from the collection, which are the same set of royal jewels she wore when she announced her engagement to Prince Frederick in 2003. Don't you think she looks stunning? I'm not sure if I saw this photo. I don't know how I missed it. Um, looks, I'm going to have to look this up. She looks beautiful. Definitely worth a look. She is a beautiful woman. And so for segment three or like segment four, maybe segment five, five. Point, we've had a lot. <laughs> um, I'm turning it over to you for some lifestyle content. You know, we've had a lot of great interviews but at the core of us is our lifestyle component. So I'm really excited to have that back. Yeah, well, before I jump into that, I'm gonna do my fashion fave for this week. And of course, yeah. it's one I've already mentioned on the show today. It's Queen Elizabeth's pretty blue dress uh, that reminded me of that Wedgwood blue collection we saw in the museum. And it had the beautiful embroidery detail around the waist. It was like a white, lacy looking detail. I thought it was so feminine. She paired it with three strands of pearls and her classic black handbag and black shoes. So just a great um, look for a queen. So. Well, there's nobody that we should be honoring for fashion look of the week other than her, I think this week. Definitely. So for our lifestyle segment today, I'm going to keep it topical and continue on with my favorite um, 
Valentine theme here um, in honor of the day of love. I am going to quiz you, Rachel. Oh, I was afraid of this because remember, well, I quizzed you last Valentine's Day, remember? Yeah, so this is a, a Valentine edition quiz, and um, we're going to bring out some more romantic moments from our favorite royal couples. Um, okay. I know we always say we like to sprinkle in a quiz every now and then, and it hasn't been too long ago since we had one, um, but I thought I'd bring it back. So we've got 10 questions, and we'll see how much you know. Okay. And I didn't even know this was happening, so I am fully unprepared. So please, listeners, please know that as we... Uh, as we dive into this. This is more of a, uh, the goal of this is just to educate listeners and not so much. I don't, I really don't expect you to get these right because I feel like completely bomb this. <laughs> I'll be, I'll be shocked if you, if you get them all right, but we'll see. We'll see. All right, let's try. <laughs> okay. Question one, how did crown princess Victoria of Sweden meet her husband, Prince Daniel? A, at a small cafe in Stockholm. B, after a workout class at a gym, or C, while staying at her summer home, Saladin Palace, on holiday? Okay, so we've officially gone out of the BRF, and that means that I have no idea, but (laughs) I'm going to say C, because that's too much detail for you, I think, to have just made that up, so so I'm going to go with C. Okay, so the answer to this one is actually B, after a class at the gym, so... Daniel was not, uh, you know, he was a commoner. He was not a royal. Um, and he was actually co-founder at this gym. And they met after a class and he took her on as his personal training client. And that's how they met and fell in love. Well, if there ever was reason for me to get back in the gym, <laughs> there it was. Maybe, maybe that's where he is. He's at the gym yeah. for me to finally show up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So who, okay. William and Kate got a very interesting wedding gift when they got married. So who gave William and Kate a tandem bike as a wedding? Oh, I know this, but go ahead. Okay. A, then mayor of London, Boris Johnson, B, Prince Harry, or C, then prime minister, minister Theresa May. Okay. It was Boris Johnson. Yes. Um, And so he actually did this. He gave him this bike in an effort to promote the new like bike share program London had kicked off, but reportedly Kate and William have never been seen riding this bike. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's tandem bikes are awkward. (laughs) Oh my God. That would make good Instagram content for sure. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. All right. So question three, which royal couple honeymooned in the Seychelles? A, Princess Madeline and Christopher O'Neill of Sweden. B, Prince Albert and Princess Charlene of Monaco. Or C, Pippa Middleton and James Matthews. Wait. Okay. So William and Kate did, but that's not an option. <laughs> um. Oh, I don't think Pippa did. I don't think she would have gone back to the same place Kate did. I'm going to say Albert and Charlene. The answer is A. It's Princess Madeline and Christopher. I was so confident I was going to get that right because I knew I was like the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge. Boom. Two in a row. (laughs) Nope. 
Yeah, that was sort of a trick question. Kate and William did honeymoon there also. And I was actually trying to find out how many royal couples honeymooned in the Seychelles. And I couldn't find that answer, but we know at least two. So and I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe the Seychelles is an island off of Africa, right? Correct. Yes. All right. So which couple frequented, oh, this is question four. Which couple frequented Pizza Express in their dating days? Is it Prince Pizza had- Express? Hold on a minute. Is it <laughs> where uh, Andrew said that he was with, with Beatrice's is messed up? Is yeah. it? <laughs> so I think it's, I think it's a chain. Like, uh, <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. The first place my mind went was Andrew. Okay. Go on. All right. So is it Prince Edward and Sophie? Prince Andrew and Fergie? <laughs> or William and Kate. <laughs> okay, I I can't answer Andrew and Fergie. If I get it wrong, whatever. I'm going to guess Edward and Sophie because they're pretty uh, low-key casual people. So it was actually William and Kate. Um, I, yeah, I put this question together to be funny, um, but I read an article that uh, they frequented Pizza Express in their dating days. I'm assuming there's a location in Scotland. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> This is hard. You have you did not prepare me. Okay, question five. Which royal couple went on their first date on New Year's Eve? Princess Beatrice and Edo, Prince Albert and Princess Charlene of Monaco, or Zara and Mike Tyndall? I have no idea. So I'm going to, I don't think it was Beatrice and Edo. I'll say Zara and Mike. Okay. So answer to this one is Prince Albert and Princess Charlene. So Princess Charlene, wasn't, isn't she like a, wasn't she an Olympic swimmer? Um, So they actually met at a swim competition and then they had their first date on uh, New Year's Eve in 2005. Awesome. All right. Number six. What wedding gift was Prince Carl Philip and Sophia of Sweden given from the Swedish government? A, a private Swedish beach. B, eight Swedish reindeer decorated in the colors of Sweden. Or C, a kayak to enjoy the Swedish outdoors. Uh, For their sake, I hope the answer is A. Because I don't need a reindeer and I don't need a kayak, but I would sure like a beach. Wait, the Sweden, this, sorry if this makes me sound really stupid, but does Sweden have beaches? I guess so. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I, I hope for their sake, the answer is A. <laughs> so the answer is C, it's a kayak. Um, they were actually, so they're known for their love of the outdoors. Um, and they were given a kayak that seats two people. And they were also gifted a nature preserve where they could go out together and ride their kayak. I don't like Valentine's Day. I don't like kayaks and I don't like tandem bikes. <laughs> so okay, I, I will agree with you on the kayak thing. I went kayaking once and it uh, wasn't really my cup of tea. Yeah, I've never been kayaking and I already know it's not my cup of tea. I'll float down a lazy river on a float all day long. Yeah, but... for sure. I'll have a, uh, a, a, I almost said sippy cup. What the heck? A red solo cup of beer and float down the river, but please don't require me to use my arms. <laughs> all right. So number seven, which royal bride had to give up her bad habit of 
smoking when she got married? A, Princess Anne, B, Princess Stephanie of Luxembourg, or C, Princess Met Merit of Norway? Wait, Stephanie of Luxembourg, not Stephanie of Monaco? Right. Uh, I, well, I feel like Anne probably smoked because if the crown is at all accurate. So I'll just say Anne. So it's, it's C, Princess Met Merit of Norway. Um, so she and her husband were actually gifted a course on how to quit smoking to help <laughs> her kick her bad habit. <laughs> that's, even, that's an even worse gift than a kayak. <laughs> who, who gives someone a where did you find this who gives someone a course on how to quit smoking for their wedding that seems kind of like brazen but I mean I'm all for not smoking but okay if there's one thing this podcast does it sends me down the dark holes of the internet <laughs> I I think I've gotten one correct that's so sad I'll be honest, I haven't even been keeping score. <laughs> I think, no, I have because I'm ashamed. I've, um, yeah, I think I got one correct about Boris Johnson. All right, we've got a couple left. So number eight, what song did Zara and Mike Tyndall dance to at, for their first dance at their wedding? A, Have I Told You Lately by Rod Stewart. B, I've Got You Under My Skin by Frank Sinatra. Or C, Your Song by Elton John. Hmm. Oh, wow. I don't know. Um, I'm going to say A. It's B. I've got you under my skin by Frank Sinatra. And I also read on the same website um, that Mike Tyndall has been known to say that Frank Sinatra would be who he would choose to have as a guest at a dinner party. Interesting. I, I, I think that's cool. Okay. I just basically, whatever I think of for my first gut instinct, I should go with something else because my <laughs> gut instinct is totally off. <laughs> All right. Number nine, I should note some of these questions are like Royal adjacent couples. I should have mentioned that, but um, uh-huh. you, you have a pretty good chance of getting this one. So James Middleton met his wife, Alizé, thanks to a curious pup, and they both happen to be big lovers of dogs. So how many dogs do they currently own? A, four, B, 12, or C, nine? If they own more than four dogs, that's insane. I mean, I, like, I get, I get loving dogs. I love dogs as well, but actually, I mean, no, he has a lot of dogs because I'm just thinking of his Instagram right now. I'm going to say nine. Correct. Ding, ding, ding. Oh my God. Because uh, I'm, see, I didn't go with my gut instinct because I was going to say four, but he has a lot of dogs. So, yeah. Well, they reportedly own nine. Um, I mean, I'm sure I could, you know, there, there's always potential for them to sneak one or two more in. But from what I read, they reportedly own nine. And in a recent Instagram post where James is posing with four of his dogs, he wrote, I've always found January a very difficult month, especially when I was suffering with clinical depression, when everyone is setting new goals, lying down new ground rules and striving to become a better version of of themselves while some of us are just about surviving. Then he goes on to say, I have, however, set myself a new mantra, which was inspired by my dogs. I don't spend every moment thinking of the one or two 
to come or ones in the past, or no, I'm sorry, don't spend every moment thinking of the one to come or ones in the past. The past is imperfect and the future will be too. But now we can do something about that. So right now I'm going to take the dogs for a long walk hand in hand with my wife. So well, that's amazing, James. That was very, wow. Yeah. See, where are the thoughtful men like that? They're married to women whose names that I had to really practice learning. Alize Middleton. That's very thoughtful. I love Definitely. that. Yep. All right. So last question, which Royal Prince fell for a commoner with a professional career and had to ask her out four times before she accepted, but now they are very much in love. A, Prince Harry, B, Prince Philippe of Spain, or C, Prince Carl Philip of Sweden? I don't think it's, I don't think Harry had to ask Megan out four times. Um, trying to think, is, did you say Carl Phillips on there? Mm-hmm. I'm going with him. So it was B, Prince Philippe of Spain, who is now King Philippe of Spain. So he actually asked out now Queen Letizia. She grew up middle class and she was working as a journalist on television um, when they met. And he asked her out four times before she agreed to go on a date well, with him. Answering Carl Philip was a really stupid answer because who the hell would turn down Carl Philip four times? <laughs> Good point. If it was Carl Phillip, the girl would have to ask him out for it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like who that was a really stupid answer because what woman in their right mind would turn down Carl Phillip four times or one time? Okay, well, that was a total bomb. So listeners, you too can be a royal podcaster. <laughs> wow. But that was really fun, actually. We need to do more quizzes. Yeah, I mean, we won't ever know any of the answers, but there, I'm sure there's <laughs> I hope they're fun to listen to at home. <laughs> well, here's the thing. We all learn something, right? So, you know, it's not a failure if you learn something, right? Definitely. That's my motto for Valentine's Day in every relationship I go into with a man. <laughs> anyway, hey, that's actually a really great, uh, great mantra for relationships. <laughs> uh, well, something like that. But anyway, so on that note, happy freaking Valentine's Day, everybody. Um, Siri, in all seriousness, I, uh, hope every day is Valentine's day for you and February 14th is just the icing on the cake. So, um, what an episode, uh, any, anything else before we wrap up? No, happy Valentine's day to all of our listeners. Yes. Listeners, you can be my Valentine this year. How about that? So um, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Podcast Royal, where I was doing great for a hot minute. But I promise you, I'm, I'm working on self-care and offloading some stuff, and we'll be back. You can always email us at hellopodcastroyal at gmail.com and follow, rate, review the show. Episode 54 is in the books, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you.